Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, have you heard about the move in Washington to eliminate stepped-up basis when calculating capital gains taxes? If you haven't heard about it, know this. It could be devastating to Texas farmers and ranchers. We'll take a closer look at it coming up on today's show. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Things are looking much greener in the Texas High Plains, but ranchers are advised to not get too enthusiastic. I'm James Hunt, and I'll explain that on Texas Ag Today. Preparations for the state FFA convention in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Sunshine and summer have arrived with a vengeance in the central Texas blacklands. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. The proposal to eliminate stepped-up basis when calculating capital gains taxes will be devastating to American agriculture. That was the message Texas Congressman Jody Arrington told a group of Texas farmers and ranchers last week in San Marcos. It's epic in its adverse impact. It will cause, as I told Secretary Janet Yellen of the Treasury Department, it will be the largest scale liquidation of farming assets and it will be a nationwide farming operation fire sale. Arrington says it would place a massive burden on the next generation of farmers and ranchers trying to take over the family farm. These younger next generation producers do not have the cash position to pay the unrealized capital gains over the life of those assets. So this is an unfair, un-American tax, and it really is, I think it's the death knell to to anyone that's going to try to pay taxes on unrealized gains at twice the capital gains tax rate, which is going to be around 40%. There's just nobody I know from West Texas that's in this business that could afford to pay those taxes, so they have to sell it. A recent study by the Texas A&M Agriculture and Food Policy Center showed that eliminating stepped-up basis would affect practically every farm they studied, creating a massive tax burden for the next generation on the farm. Things are looking much greener on the Texas High Plains right now, but ranchers there are warned not to get too enthusiastic. James Hunt tells why from Amarillo. We've talked several times now about what our spring rains meant for area farmers, but let's not forget about the ranchers. Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith says those big rains in May provided a critical boost. You know, right now, knock on wood, I'm going to consider those rains that we received our saving grace, particularly for our warm season native type grasses. 
But while the local forage situation is much better than it had been before the rains in May, Dr. Smith says the hot and windy weather we had in the weeks that followed showed that conditions can decline again pretty quickly. And he advises Texas High Plains ranchers to be cautious about stocking rates. I bring this up because we're coming out, hopefully coming out of, of a time where a lot of ranchers in the area had destocked to some degree. They had to because of drought conditions. And so if we aren't careful, we could put ourselves into a pretty big bind if we see a little bit of green up and start to get a little forage growth and say, okay, well, we're through this drought. It's, it's time to, to start buying back and put a bunch more cattle on. The, the next you know, next month or so is going to be pretty telling uh, in terms of, of what our forages are going to look like through the, the summer and the fall and, you know, hopefully through the winter. So I just want to encourage producers to be very cautious about getting that itch to go buy back in and completely restock. I'm not saying that, that all producers shouldn't do that. Just need to critically evaluate that. And if they do decide to move forward with that, I certainly encourage them to be as conservative as possible. In tomorrow's report, Dr. Smith talks about a problem with flies. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is time once again for the annual Texas FFA Convention. Tom Nicoletti tells us that this year's convention is back in person. My guest today is Blake Mills. He is the Texas FFA president, joining us from his hometown of Centerpoint, which is in Kerr County, northwest of San Antonio. And Blake, thanks for being with us. Yes, sir. Now, you graduated from uh, Center Point High School in uh, June of 2020 and have deferred uh, your collegiate career to uh, the fall of 2021 when you will attend Texas Tech University, major in agriculture and applied economics. But in the meantime, you are the current FFA president and the, the 93rd annual state FFA convention will be July 5th through the 9th in Fort Worth. How are you preparing for that convention, Blake? Our team here on the state officer team for Texas FFA has been preparing pretty diligently. We're super excited to be welcoming thousands and thousands of FFA members from across the state to Fort Worth. We've been preparing specifically our team on the production side of things, as well as making sure that our scripts and our reflection pieces for our officer team are completed um, to ensure all students are ensured with the best possible experience. We're really excited about this convention because it will mark about two years since a lot of FFA members have been to an in-person convention. So we're really excited because we're not only offering an in-person convention, but also a virtual format as well. And so we're excited to offer different experiences for students, and we've been preparing how we can best serve them, depending on what best serves the chapters throughout the state of Texas. About how many students are you expecting for the convention? Registration just closed a couple of days ago. We'll be expecting a little over 6,000. You referenced the fact that uh, many FFA students across the state have not been together for about two years, and that, of course, is because of the coronavirus pandemic. How did you work through FFA as a state officer in the last year during a COVID year? Initially, we knew um, going into this year it wouldn't look like a typical state officer experience, but we were excited for the challenge ahead. Although we might have not been able to do things that like past teams would have had to do, we were able to create some opportunities for ourselves and then for those students in which we serve and the members. Initially, we weren't able to interact with students at the magnitude at which we wanted to, but throughout the year, we found opportunity. There's no more important time than ever to interact with students from a virtual and in-person format. Any opportunity that we had to interact with students, we took it. So there was different opportunities or events that we um, had hosted on behalf of the Texas FFA Association, just to encourage students to be involved in FFA and how they can find 
success within their chapters and their communities. That is Texas FFA President Blake Mills. On our next program, I will visit with the first vice president of the state FFA. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Central Texas Blacklands have been enjoying sunshine and summer. Dr. Shane McClellan reports from Waco. After a wet April and May, when everyone was affected by the wet weather, someone finally turned off the tap. We had a string of consecutive weeks of wet, cool, and overcast weather. Almost immediately uh, last week, as the sun and 93-plus degree weather hit us, it was coupled with high humidity and heat indexes that were well over 100. Our wet soil conditions are rapidly drying out. Surprisingly, McLennan County is still two inches under the 30-year average rainfall amount, if you look at January 1 through June 14th. Historical rainfall data shows that we typically receive many small rainfall events spread out January through June. Well, in 2021, we had a drier January, February, March, and a really wet April and May with large rainfall events. Regardless, as we go into the summer months, we do so with soil moisture, green pastures, and our stock tanks are full. Corn has really enjoyed this Midwest-type weather that we've had the past two months. There was some concerns early about corn going through pollination during that wet time, those rainy days, but corn never paused. It kept growing and uh, really shows to be uh, favorable growing conditions for corn. will definitely produce some nice yields for our Central Texas farmers. Grain sorghum, which we typically think of as a dry season crop, it looks really good too. Uh, I expect grain sorghum yields to be really good pushing down those scales. Cotton fields in Central Texas have struggled. There were pockets of cotton that do look amazing. Those cotton fields that did not have to get replanted look good. However, most of our cotton that was replanted I hadn't fared so good through this wet and cool overcast weather. Uh, it looks just stunning. Replanting, everything considered, cotton is very hardy. And I have seen a few plants starting to put on some new leaves. So there's still hope for our current cotton crop to perk up and, and do okay with some ample sunshine and heat that we're definitely getting. Uh, hay is being laid down as soon as tractors could get into fields. The majority of Central Texas should have been cutting hay back in April. And many fields are seeing a cutter for the first time on June 12th. Our second cutting is always a, a higher quality of hay. And we just didn't get that first cutting like we normally do uh, in April. With the hot days, we should not have any problems getting hay cut, laid down, and drying to be bailed. This is Dr. Shay McClellan reporting from Waco for Texas Ag Today. Invasive zebra mussels have infested three more Texas lakes. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And calves usually get pneumonia right after they're weaned, but did you know summer pneumonia can also give you problems before weaning? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It is very common to see pneumonia in calves that have been freshly weaned, but summer pneumonia can also occur in nursing beef calves. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells more about it. 
And although surprising to some producers, summer pneumonia occurs commonly in calves one to four months of age. These calves are still nursing and not under stress that leads to pneumonia in calves that are shipped after weaning. However, the only immunity they have is the immunity they receive from colostrum at birth, and this immunity is short-lived. Unless calves develop immunity from vaccination or natural exposure, they become susceptible to disease-producing organisms that can cause respiratory disease. And there are some stressful events that can increase the risk of developing summer pneumonia as late spring rain and hailstorms can change the nursing patterns of calves and produce chilling. Late spring and summer high temperatures can produce heat stress in calves and increase their chances of developing pneumonia. And with the unpredictability of Texas weather, it's not uncommon for us to have a 40 degree shift in the environmental temperature in just one day, which can really stress these calves. Once we get into summer and the conditions become dry and dusty, the calves' normal innate clearing mechanisms in the respiratory tract can become overwhelmed and allow disease-producing organisms to gain access and grow in the lungs. Also, sorting calves when working the cows for artificial breeding procedures stresses these calves and can lower their immunity. Dr. Gerald Stoka from North Dakota State recommends vaccinating these young calves against organisms that commonly cause summer pneumonia. However, vaccination is not 100% effective, but may help decrease infection to some degree. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Well, those invasive zebra mussels have infested three more Texas lakes. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Over the past few weeks, we've talked a bit about the importance of cleaning, draining, and drying your boat, personal watercraft, and gear when leaving Texas lakes to prevent the spread of invasive species like zebra mussels. Well, we have some bad news. Three new Texas lakes are now listed as infested by zebra mussels. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, Lake Brownwood, Medina Lake, and Inks Lake are all now fully infested. That status means there are established reproducing populations of zebra mussels in each lake. Monica McGarity, TPWD's senior scientist for aquatic invasive species, says zebra mussels are continuing to spread westward and south to new areas of Texas. She said as new lakes become infested, the risk to nearby lakes increases. Zebra mussels can now be found in 32 Texas lakes. 27 of those are fully infested. According to the department, zebra mussels can ruin short lines, impact water recreation, hurt aquatic life, damage boats, and even clog water intakes. Zebra mussel larvae are microscopic and are invisible to the naked eye. They're most often transported in or on boats, so boaters play a critical role in preventing the spread of them to new lakes. And once zebra mussels are established in a lake, it's very difficult to get their population under control. That's why it is so important that boaters and anglers take the time to clean, drain, and dry their boat and equipment each time that they leave a water body in Texas. A video on how to properly clean, drain, and dry your boat and gear is available on texasinvasives.org backslash zebra mussels. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, we have seen this many times throughout this year so far. A big jump in the corn market causes lower cattle prices. That was definitely the case on Monday. We'll take a complete look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Dan, we're 
We're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It's becoming a very common scenario here in 2021. We see a big run-up in the corn market, and that puts big pressure on cattle prices. We ended up closing lower on both live and feeder cattle on Monday, thanks to a nearly limit-up run in corn. July live cattle down 72 cents to close at 122.10. The August down $1.20, 121.60. October down 87 cents at 127.52. And as usual, the feeders get hit the hardest. August feeder cattle down 320, 156.35. September feeder cattle down 217 at 159.07. October down $1.65. 161.05. All quiet on Monday in the cash fed cattle market. No bids from the packers, no asking prices from the feedlots. Boxed beef continues to trend lower as we've seen over the last week or so. Monday, no exception with choice down a dollar forty, three oh three sixteen. Select down a dollar fifty one to seventy four sixty seven. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. When you hear my auctioneer, that's right, got my own auctioneer, oh, auctioneer Troy. Sing that auction song, it's time to talk to Ken Jordan. They sold cattle in San Saba on Thursday. Ken, how'd it go? It went real well, Larry. We ended up having uh, 1,250 some head cattle today. I thought over demand continued very strong, good buyer activity also. I thought the, uh, the doctor steers, uh, they sold steady today. Uh, the uh, with 13 steers weighing 613 at $1.57, uh, right at $963 on those. I thought the stocker heifers, they were steady. A group of five heifers, 574 weight heifers, brought a dollar. 48. They moved up quite a bit, $850 on those. The lighter feeder steers, I thought overall they were steady. Had five steers in that group, weighed 661 at $1.53 a pound, right at uh, $1,011. I thought the bigger feeder steers, they were probably a full $2 higher. Had a group of steers uh, that weighed $793 at $1.40, uh, $1,110 of change on those. I thought the lighter feeder heifers, they were probably a full $2 higher. And the big feeder heifers were right at $2 to $4 higher. Had a group of nine heifers, weighed $789 at $1.24, right at $979 on those. Packer cows, uh, which overall this week were probably two to three lower, still good, very, very active on them. Bulls are right at $2 lower on the pack of bulls. Pairs and bred cows, I thought overall, were steady to $50 higher. There's several good groups of pairs and a lot of activity on those, Larry. What do you know for Monday? Uh, we got several groups of calves coming in, and that'll be uh, the last day we'll have, and then we'll be stopping for the 4th of July holiday. And uh, so we'll have it sell this Monday, and then we'll skip over next Thursday, and also uh, the 5th on uh, July over at Mason, too. So it looks for a pretty good run with the market like it is prior to the 4th, Larry. Tell everybody how to contact you, Ken Jordan. You bet, sir. They can give us a call. There you go, 325-372-5159. Go to any, uh, get any additional update information. Website is jordancattle.com, Larry. Thank you, Ken, and thank you, my Texas farming and ranching neighbors, for listening to Walking the Pens on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where we saw a limit up move in the hog market on Monday. July lean hogs up three dollars, one hundred four ninety-five. August hogs up three bucks at one hundred two seventy-seven. Class three milk finished higher. June milk up a penny, seventeen nineteen a hundred weight. July milk up twenty-seven at sixteen ninety-two. 
The cotton market closed higher, traders getting ready for the big Wednesday acreage report. Pre-report estimates for the 2021 cotton crop now have acreage at 11.8 million. That's the guess. That's lower than 12.03 that we saw back in March from USDA. We close with October cotton up 23 points, 88.27. The December contract up 25 at 87.43. Now to the corn market. We mentioned that earlier. Almost limit up on the nearby July. It was up 39 cents. The new crop up about 28 cents. A lot of that in reaction to rain. We had some heavy rain stretching anywhere from the Texas panhandle all the way up into the Dakotas and Minnesota. That caused some flooding in a lot of places, and so that's helped to boost corn prices. We finished with July corn up 39, as we mentioned, 675 and a half. Into the new crop contracts with September up 28 cents, 558 and a quarter. December up 28, 547 and a quarter. The wheat market rode higher on corn's coattails. We closed with July. Kansas City wheat up 17 and three quarters, 618 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up nine at 646 a bushel. The rice market closed mixed. July rough rice up a half, 1315 and a half. September rice down a nickel, 1346 a hundredweight. Soybeans closing higher. New crop November beans up 42 and three quarters, 312 and a half. July soybean meal up 440. Closing at 351.60 a ton. In the energy markets, we saw July natural gas climb 11 cents to close at 360. August crude oil down a dollar 18, 72.87 a barrel. The financial markets mixed with the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 150 points, 34,283. The Nasdaq up 140, 14,500. The S&P up nine at 4,290. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. See you next time, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.